0: Well, as we continue our study of John chapter 15, today we're looking at verses 4 and 5 and we're talking about staying close to God. Uh, we've looked the last couple of weeks at uh, verse 1, uh, the, the first week about the role of the Son and the role of the Father. And last week we brought out the pruning shears and we talked about the Father's divine pruning of our lives and sometimes the pain. We go through in order to be refined and to do what God wants for us, and that is to bear more fruit. And today, really, uh, the crux of this breakthrough that we've been talking about is found in these verses 4 and 5. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you, if you know these verses... But you don't you know about them, you're familiar with them, but you don't really know them. I wanna encourage you to go home this afternoon and find a three by five card or some kind of piece of paper or a sticky note and write it out whatever version you like. And just put it somewhere so these words will sink deep within. It might take you a week or two or more, but these really need to become part of your life. Maybe you've already learned these verses before, but they've sort of fallen out of your conscious memory. Maybe there's a phrase or two today that's just going to stick out to you. And you'd write down that particular phrase and just sort of marinated on it in your spiritual life. But I want to read verses 4 and 5 this morning where it says, Remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, as we consider what it means to stay close to God. The reason I'm calling it that this morning is because the imperative in verse four says "remain." Your version might say the word "abide." To remain, to abide, it means to stay put, to not be going and departing and moving from, but to stay. And what the Lord is is saying: the key to our breakthrough is that we learn to be men and women that stay connected in Him and to him and there's a few principles from these verses I want to encourage us with this morning and the first one is number one on your outline and that simply this that God wants you around notice he asks us to stay with him to remain closely connected to him now this is a, a this is an imperative this is not a suggestion or a, uh, an afterthought of God this is something he absolutely wants us to do but If you look beyond the mere admonition and the imperative of it all, there is a humongous compliment wrapped up in this command. Have you, let let me see if I can put it this way. Have you ever gotten the impression that you were someplace and among the people you were with, they really didn't want you around? You ever felt that way before? There's not too many feelings that are worse than that. Maybe you were out with your best friend and his girlfriend, and you were the third wheel. Maybe you were in a group of people that all knew each other, and they were laughing and telling inside jokes when you were there, kind of, hey, guys. Maybe you were a new person in a new office, and there wasn't the hospitality committee just putting out their hand to greet you warmly, and you didn't feel like you were wanted, I remember feeling that well you know the, the the most vivid memories I have of that feeling is when my oldest sister Lisa started having these things come around called boys uh, they would come around the house and I was a little you won't you might find this hard to believe but when I was younger I was a bit of a ham and uh, I would clown around occasionally and my sisters four years older than me and these boys would come by the house ring the doorbell and I was like Ta-da. There was, if they would we had this room in our in our the house I grew up in that has these, you know, these little French doors that close, close. There's a, a couch and the piano and a dining room in there and when she would have a boyfriend come over, they they'd go in there and they were they weren't allowed to be back in her room, but they can go in those room in that room and I would find lots of reasons just to pass right through that room or open the doors and you talk about looks that could kill, you know. You are not wanted in this room. But let's imagine she says, well, Cliff, good to see you. Why don't you come sit by us? Tell us what's going on in your bizarre little 10-year-old world. No, that never happened. But you know what it's like to feel the opposite. When someone is so loving and so kind that when you walk into a place, they're like, It is so good to see you how are you doing have a seat come on just get yourself comfortable just stay here a while um the other day i was i had a meeting at a college up in uh, jacksonville florida and stephen and i went there together and we we had to be there early the next day so we the uh the college provided a uh, hotel for us to stay and I, had, I brought some things, supplies with me for the meeting I had, so I brought a packed, fairly large suitcase as we're going in the hotel. And Steve had like a little Publix bag filled with three or four things <laughs> for the next day. And it looked like he was staying about ten minutes. It looked like I was staying for a week or so of vacation. Uh, when you're going to stay somewhere a while, you bring things with you because you are moving in. And get this, don't miss this point when the Lord said, remain in me, stay with me, abide in me. Do you know what he's saying in essence to you this morning? He's saying, I want you around. The living God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that we're all going to stand before, the one that matters most in this world says, I want you around me. Nobody else may want you around People in this world act like they want you around, and then they let you go, and people might leave, and you might feel abandoned, but I want you to know, the Lord says, I want you to stay with me, remain with me, abide in me, and this morning, such a tremendous thought should inspire us to say, whoa, <laughs> I'm going to stay right by Jesus, because he Wants me around. The second principle this morning involves the next part of that phrase where the Lord says, remain in me and I will remain in you. One of the blessings of the Christian life, it it is not a solo venture. Have you ever felt like you were asked something to do but you weren't trained very well? And go ahead and do this and do your best and uh, best of luck I'll be thinking of you. I've got to go over here and do this. Well, this is not the kind of life that God has called us to. He says, you step toward me, you remain in me, and guess what? I pledge to remain in you. So the second principle is that God promises to respond to you. We've also had the same awkward experiences of we have said hello to someone, and they've stared us in the face and not returned the greeting. Maybe we have... um, tried to initiate a friendship or a relationship and we were not responded to in a way that we wanted to maybe we applied for a job and we didn't get the response that we hoped and sometimes it makes us a little sort of leery of starting a relationship or trying for that job or attempting anything because when we make the move we're not sure it's going to be responded to appropriately but god says If you remain in me, guess what? I will remain in you. Uh, This has several implications for us. Uh, One of them is that God always responds to our spiritual moves toward Him. Uh, That's what James is saying in James chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Some of you this morning are decrying and moaning the fact that you don't feel close to God, the question I have for you is, who moved? Have you departed from the Lord? Have you turned your back away from Him ever so subtly and ever so slowly? Because I guarantee you, it is not His fault. He did not move away from you this morning. Uh, The implications of this are many, but it also means that we have His help, His aid, His strength in the Christian life that He is living His life through us, that He is remaining in us, that we have the indwelling power of Christ that is living inside our spiritual being. He's he's disseminating His power, His life, His energy, his, His strength, and He has pledged to remain in us. And He is not going anywhere. As the passage continues, He says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And then he reiterates that principle that Stephen so beautifully illustrated on that tree out there when he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. I was driving past my house, sort of on the way to the mall the other day as I was going to a meeting, and Susie calls me and says, do they sell eggs at that gas station? around the corner from us. And I said, uh, they do at this one, but not at this one. And she goes, okay, because the boys, are, they, they were out of school that day, on that Monday, and I'm making some little thing for them, and we're out of eggs. Now, you can't shortcut that in a recipe. And I, hap- I happened to be driving right by that store, so I said, I'll pick them up. And I brought them to her, and I had to hurry, hurry, so I left them in the driveway and called her and said, there are eggs in your driveway, and I gotta go. But you, you think about this for a moment. Some of you ladies, you, you know uh, sneaky little tricks. If you're out of this, you can add that. There's lemon juice you can add instead of something I forget. Frankly, I don't know how to give you this illustration any further. <laughs> but I know there's a couple of things you can replace with this and with that. But I know something you can't is eggs. <laughs> there's really no substitute for something that gives the substance to a... Well, unless you had egg beaters, I suppose some of your, th- your minds were thinking... But there's certain ingredients where there is no way around. You've got to have this or the recipe is shot. Have you ever taken your car in to the mechanic? And, well, the other day this happened to me, and the mechanic said to me, this is one I know pretty well, and visit him often, and he said to me, Cliff, are you sitting down? And I said, sure. And so he gives me the litany of things that uh, are wrong with him. And, and uh, sometimes what happens when I ask him is, okay, tell me what's got to be fixed. <laughs> tell me what is essential, depending on what kind of month it is. And you know what I mean. What has to be fixed? And sometimes this, sometimes he says the chilling words, all of it has to be fixed. <laughs> and it depends how much you trust this guy as to what you will do. Now, we love shortcuts we want to get there the quickest way even our gps's have three or four routes this way has this and this way is this and I, and the way we think we want to get to some destination the fastest possible way and, but the third principle this morning is that there are no spiritual life shortcuts there's an old statement that says always avoid sh- always avoid shortcuts because they take too long you've experienced that before you went this way that was supposed to be faster, and all of a sudden there was a tremendous traffic jam. Well, in our efforts to sort of shortcut the spiritual life, what we do is we sometimes pull away from God and we plug into something else other than God as our vine, as our power source, as our life. And what we find is just like that branch that was on Stephen's desk, is there's going to be no growth If we pull away from the vine, we think that maybe by trying something else that our life will be better. That if we just pursue money or relationships or success, that we're going to have what we're looking for. And we find that we are empty and miserable and lacking everything we were pursuing. We cannot have any life imparted to us unless we remain in the vine. We can try, we can seek for exceptions, but... Unless we remain in the vine. I I like how sometimes illustrations we're not following. And so Christ, maybe He's still in the vineyard and He's pointing out these things to His people. And and so rather than just remain in the analogy when He says no branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. In case they weren't tracking, He lets them know, I'm not giving you a vineyard lesson here. He says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Don't miss exactly what Christ is saying. He's talking to you. He's talking to us this morning, telling us our need to stay close to him by avoiding what appears to us as a spiritual life shortcut. Well, I love Christ's clarity in verse 5, where he reiterates sort of what he was doing in verse 1. And he says the words, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you notice in verse 1, he starts out by saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He's already gone over some of the job descriptions of he and his heavenly Father. But here, really for the first time, he gives to us our job description. And he reminds us that he's the vine, he's the source of life, Power, spiritual energy, salvation, hope, it's all in Him, but we do have a role. And He says, you are the branches. So this morning, if we're going to be staying close to God, we must remember, number four, clear job descriptions. It was interesting to me, I guess it was maybe 10, 12 years ago now, I was serving at a church in Texas, and I'd been there several months, and the associate pastor there, who was my right hand man, and, and uh, we were working together hard and well. And he had been had a, some different responsibilities during the interim period than he had when I arrived. And so we talked about what we're, who's doing what, and what's the focus, and this, that, and the other. And then we just went to work. We met together and talked, but. In his mind, after I'd been there a good while, the lines got blurry as to who is exactly supposed to do what. And so he, I like what he did. I like the courage, so to speak, he showed. And he came to my office and he said, Pastor Cliff, uh, can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. And he goes, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, I used to do this and this and this before you got here. And I I'm just not totally sure all that you're expecting me to do, all that the church is expecting me to do. Can you tell me more what I'm supposed to do? And I said, well, you know, in general, you're in charge of this area and this area and this area. He goes, yeah, I know. But then there's these little things that doesn't seem that anybody's really doing. What do you expect me to do? It was one of those things where I really appreciated because I didn't see the blurred lines. I didn't see the lack of clarity there's, there's, there's this point on most job description, descriptions, especially in the church, that says, and other duties as assigned, that vague thing, and that you're wondering exactly what does this mean for me? And so we had to talk about some of the specifics, and I think we left that meeting clearer as to what exactly we were supposed to do. Until there's clarity, there's oftentimes a confusion about role, and thus a oftentimes a real lack of productivity well christ was trying to avoid those spiritual blurred lines and he made it clear again and saying i'm the source of life and salvation and you are a branch you are to remain in me now it's interesting trees grow at different paces i was just this morning before i got in the car to come here i was i have two trees in my yard they're both about four years old, and one of them is not sort of in the back. The, the really good one is in the back of the house that no one can see, <laughs> and it, is, it has got a strong trunk and just bunches of branches, and it's very green, and then right in the middle of the yard is, looks like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, and my neighbor has a palm tree just like it. And it is mighty and strong and beautiful and big old leaves. And occasionally my wife says, why can't we have one like that, you know? And I've done a few little things that I've heard work and clip off this and that. I have bought some palm uh, fertilizer and all that. And the trees look like, you know, my extension of my pinky. The branches look like that. And there's obviously something wrong with it. And yes, that kind of tree is going to take longer to grow than the other type of tree that's, that's strong. But there's, off, there, there's likely something wrong with it. Something is stunting its growth. It's really not the branch's fault. They're just there hanging out, connected, trying to get some sap, trying to get some life. But there's something wrong with the growth. or, or It's a very slow growth of the actual tree. And I want you to know that is not going to be our problem in our spiritual life. If we're not growing, we can't look at that vine and say, well, this is just a sorry, diseased little trunk here. Uh, This tree is not doing any good. Do you realize, did you read who the vine was? He said, I'm the vine. Jesus is the vine, the perfect, sinless Son of God who conquered death. He's the vine. And so what we're supposed to do, brothers and sisters, is to learn to be a branch. We're not to be the vine. We, we want to step over into God's role, and we want to produce life in ourselves, even sometimes by good means. If we can produce enough spiritual activity in our life, maybe that'll be the growth, and that'll be the source. No, He is your vine. We're not to concern ourselves with the energy, with the power for growth. This does not mean we're to have no effort spiritually because we are, to produce, we are to seek to grow in the Lord and to seek to pray and to be men and women of God, but realizing all the while that we are assigned to remain in Him, to stay in Him, to be a branch. The last few days I've woken up in the morning and I've simply prayed, Lord, help me be a branch today. Teach me to... Be a branch so connected to your power and life that all can see you alive in me. Would you make that your prayer uh, each day this next week, Lord? I want to be a branch today, growing mighty and strong by your life-giving power. Christ then moves on with the illustration and says this, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him... Listen to this promise. He will bear much fruit. Now, the fifth principle here this morning about staying close involves this. It involves God's endorsement of success. How many of us have tried something that was really supposed to work great, and it didn't? (laughs) Maybe we were told that if we invest this money in this particular product or this particular stock, that investment is going to become back tenfold all you got to do is invest and it'll just take off or maybe you've been told take this supplement do this exercise program or whatever and you will be in perfect health just like that everything is going to work out great and we've tried it and it didn't work like we were told and so we become eerie and leery of anything that says try this because it's really going to work. I read an article or saw a clip about America's doctor, Dr. Oz, and how he is getting sort of little startup companies that use his face and his endorsement without his permission. And if he ever mentions on his show, try this vitamin because it really is good for you. A company will come along with that particular vitamin and say, Dr. Oz! You know, s- says this will work and where he didn't say that that particular product will work and so people buy it thinking Oz is behind this and he says, you know, I've not endorsed them or that. So in our day of fear of what someone else endorses, maybe your best friend that's really smart and says this worked for me and you tried it and it didn't work for you. We can sort of buy into that mentality in every area of life. And Jesus says to us, if a man remains in me and I in in him, guess what's going to happen? He will bear much fruit. Do you realize what he's saying in essence? He's saying, if we do this my way, guys, it's going to work great. This is really going to come together, and you are going to grow. Yes, it'll take some pruning. Yes, there'll be some pain. Yes, there may look like some apparent setbacks but you remain in me, guess what? I'm going to remain in you, and the result is going to be fruit, not just a little bit, much fruit. This is going to work. I was uh, reading with great interest a book several years ago by John Stott, and he was speaking with a, a bright university student on a college campus, and they were discussing the claims of Christ, and whether or not christianity was true and they were talking back and forth about some of the proofs and arguments of the faith then the young man looked at the famed theologian and says dr stott what for me is not the biggest issue is not whether christianity is true but whether christianity works (laughs) is it real does it actually Take place. Is there actually a change that happens in someone's life? And we need to be men and women that that are examples to the world. That says, "Yes, this stuff works." If you remain in Christ, you stay close to Him. He is going to absolutely change your life. When I get the privilege of being there when someone comes to faith in Christ, one of the things I say to them is this: "Is if you continue walking with the Lord, you're going to look back." a year from this date, and you're going to say, I can't believe all that God has done in my life. But if we pull back and we don't remain close in the vine and we do our own thing and practice lone wolf, independent Christian living, there's not going to be this harvest of fruit. There might be a couple of little grapes that just pop off the vine and don't stay put. But if we remain in him and he remains in us, he says, there's going to be much fruit. And in some ways, Some of you might not like the fact that Christ sort of ends this next verse on the negative. But this is the most freeing negative statement you'll ever read. Because in it, Christ gives us the short list of everything we can do without him. He says this, apart from me, you can do... What does your version say? Nothing. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? Apart from me... You can do nothing. Well, some of you say, well, wait a second. I got a friend, Lost Louie, that is really successful. He's done a lot. He doesn't acknowledge Christ. He doesn't even believe in God. He's done a lot of things. What does Christ mean? He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We certainly know that people can do many things and apparently and uh, look like they're accomplishing much. But when Christ is apart from me, you can do nothing. He means apart from me, you can do nothing that really matters you can do nothing that will uh, help and affect your position in eternity. You can do nothing that would cause you to bear any fruit. You might can do something that looks like it is profiting you, but apart from him, you can't do anything that is real. And this is one of the most freeing statements that, it, that this I pray would sort of course through our minds. When I, you know when your mind is shifted and neutral and you're not really thinking of anything but at the same time you're thinking of everything? This statement, would you ask God to help it run through your mind when your mind is shifted into neutral? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Because the converse of that is true is also <laughs> this With me, you can really do something in Him. But until we realize that apart from Him, all hope is lost in the spiritual life, little progress is made. And what it's involved is sort of unwrapping a gift that God has given to us. And it's number six on your outline. The last point this morning is staying close involves this our gift of inadequacy. (laughs) It sounds like a bit of a bum gift, something you didn't really want a tie or a pair of socks that kind of gift what kind of gift is inadequacy this kind of gift is what will help you take off in your spiritual life when you believe that you are adequate that you have it made that you can do it in and of your own strength and energy no fruit no spiritual productivity this thing called faith will not work but when you open up that gift and unwrap it that says apart from me you can do nothing. Then you're finished with your own vain efforts. And now you're depending on Christ for hope and strength and help. This morning, I hope that the living God from his word has motivated you and moved you to desire and long to stay close. Because he wants you around him. And he wants to give you that endorsement. That much fruit can be born when you know your role. When you're a branch. and When you accept that gift of inadequacy that apart from him, you can do nothing. As we consider this powerful passage, I'd like us to take a moment and bow together. And maybe this gift of inadequacy is what many of you needed as you seek to understand your own spiritual life when it comes to the beginning of your faith. Maybe there's some here today that have never come to personally trust Christ. You've never entered into that relationship where you've admitted i need christ's salvation i need god's gift of eternal life if that's you today i really pray that this morning you would allow god's spirit to work and that you would place your trust in him alone heavenly father we're thankful that we're not the vine but you are the vine and you give us the honor and the privilege of being a branch today Draw people to your truth as we respond to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.